I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Hey, everybody. We got Shane Stevens with us today. Um, great songwriter. Awesome human being. Glad to have you. Hey, hey. Happy to be here. Haven't seen you in good God. It's been a long time. So Shane and I actually met at a songwriting camp. That was a decade ago, dude. Yeah. 2011, probably. Yeah. Wow. Long, long time. I love love that song. Didn't we write that with Ross Copperman? No. um, Who did we write that with? Yeah, it was Ross Copperman. Maybe it was Ross, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'll have to go dig that out. I haven't heard that in a long time. I know, right? (laughs) The I'll share the, the, the story around our first meeting, too, was they, they played us an artist from the UK that was going to be winning a big contest over there. And they said they wanted you to write Disney-like, big, epic, wholesome kind of songs. And so we get in the writing room and Shane goes, no, we're going to write a gay dance club song. <laughs> and like, what? And he goes, the guy's gay. Just wait. So trust me. So we write this song get together, everybody plays their songs. Every single other group in the in the whole camp wrote the Disney kind of song. And they play yeah. ours and people are like, what is going on? And it, I think <laughs> that night, the guy announced that he was gay uh, and they totally out. changed the project. And yeah, so totally. comes in the next day and goes, who wants to write with me now? That's <laughs> so funny. So I ended up going to, I ended up going to LA that, that following week because uh for that project they flew me out and i was out there for like 10 days and they actually put me in the same hotel as all the that current american idol season i think it was when pia toscano was on and it was like the big upset of of all time that she got you know booted off or whatever um and uh i met all kinds of people that week and i had a lot of like really big kind of spiritual awakenings that week because there was a prophetic word that I got from a pastor in Kansas and all of it happened. Like it happened the week before we wrote when I got the word. And then two weeks later when I was LA, it all kind of came to fruition and it actually changed the whole course of my everything. So. <laughs> That's amazing story. So what got you into know. songwriting? So, you know, what, what was kind of your entrance into that world? Mm, I wanted to be a singer. And I thought maybe I could write songs, but um, I, when I was 15 years old, I, I auditioned for Opryland because um, I was born in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I was raised on a shrimp boat in Calabash, North Carolina. My dad was a shrimper. And um, my parents were musical, you know, worship music and stuff like that at church. And um, I met Karen Rochelle at the Opryland auditions. And we just became best friends. And... Um, I was running karaoke shows and doing all this stuff, literally not legally able to be in a bar or drive. And I was driving and working in a bar. And uh, after after um, the auditions happened, I got the job and they wanted to move me to, I think, Austin, Texas for Fiesta, Texas. But I was really young and I would have had to have had a parent or someone with me or, you know, and I didn't want to go to Texas. I wanted to go to Nashville. And uh, so I turned the thing down and I ended up just staying in school and working and one night, I hadn't seen Karen since the audition, and she walked into the bar crawdaddies that I was working in, and we sang. Uh, she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And wait, what are you doing here? You are way too young to be in a bar. She was two years older than me, and she was too young to be in a bar, too. 
but um, she was, and she was, has working at the the country jamboree or cowboys or somewhere like that, teaching line dancing. This is 1995. Yeah. And um, we ended up hanging out. We sang Clint Black and White on a Judd, a bad goodbye. And uh, um, we ended up hanging out and getting together more often and then ended up being roommates. And then she decided she wanted to move to Nashville and asked me if I'd go with her. And I said, let me ask my mama. <laughs> And we did. And I was in Christian school, so I could get out of school early. And because um, I literally went to school at my church. I left public school in my junior year. So I, I literally went to my senior prom and left after senior prom in my little Ford Ranger and with a futon and like $300 and drove all the way to Nashville. And um, Karen and I started writing songs together. We were we were already kind of dabbling in that. She was definitely more of a songwriter than I was. Um, and I was just kind of cutting my teeth in it and learning from her. And when I got to Nashville, the first job I got was uh, working at the Crab House downtown because all I knew was seafood and they were opening a seafood restaurant. Oh, yeah. And um, long story short, I couldn't even serve alcohol because I was too young. You know, I was, I was seven, I just turned 17 and, um, this was 1996. Um, and so I was waiting tables one night and Jerry Crutchfield came in with his daughter and her then boyfriend who became her husband and his wife, Patsy and Jerry just passed, you know, recently. So he produced Tane Tucker and Lee Greenwood and Tracy, was it Tracy Bird? Yeah. Tracy Bird. Whoa, on a mail and crawl. Um, <laughs> the keeper of the stars oh my gosh um what a song but uh jerry saw my name tag and said where are you where are you from why why are you in nashville you know and i said well i'm a singer and my friend's a songwriter and i'm trying to learn how to write songs maybe i'll write songs but my best friend karen is the greatest singer songwriter on the planet he's like well, where is this karen i was like oh she's gone home to um, kind of regroup and talk with her family because she doesn't want to work a normal job. She just wants to do music. And so, and we've been here a few months and she hasn't gotten a record deal yet. <laughs> we were so naive. And uh, Jerry's like, well, I'd like to hear her music. And I said, don't tell me that because I will come to your office. And um, he said, no, I really want to hear her music. And I said, okay. So I showed up there on a Monday um, with a, with a tape of her songs and a couple of like work tapes of what we'd done on our own, literally in those push button recording things, tape, tape decks. And um, like they used to have in our rooms back in the day. And uh, they were, the lady at the desk, Sarah, wasn't going to let me upstairs. I was like, no, Jerry told me to come here so they could hear my friend, Karen. He's really busy. He's not going to be able to see you. I'm like, um, no, I'll, well, I'll wait. You got a boom box. I'll play it for you. You listen to it. And so she just knew I wasn't going to take no for an answer. So she played it. And next thing I know, she's on the phone. And then she goes upstairs. And then she comes down and says, Jerry, I'll see you. So I went up, played the songs. And he's like, where is this girl? I said, I told you she's in North Carolina. <laughs> and he goes, where? I said, I think it her mama's or maybe her grandma's. He's like, well, how do we get her on the phone? I'm like, well, we didn't have cell phones then. I was like, I guess we can call her mama's house. And so we did. And he got on the phone with her and said, get your butt back to Nashville. And then he signed her. And then I started my first experiences in the studio were with Jerry and Karen. And um, that's kind of how I, I learned that thing. And then I was writing with her and Ed Hill and 
you know, just trying to write as much as I could. I went to hair school, became a hairdresser, was doing hair for all these massive country stars for with Earl Cox over at Trump Salon and for Sarah and the Judds and Minnie McCready and all those people, Martina, Faith, Reba, Trisha, all of them. And um, Karen, you know, took my demo after she left Jerry after like three or four years and she went over to famous Pat Pinch and then she took my demo for me and played for Pat Pinch. And then I got a call from Pat, went in and met him and then he signed me. So that's how it started. Um, and then I moved to New York City uh, right before 9-11 in 2001 uh, because Pat was leaving and going to Zamba and I was getting a record deal. and. Um, before the ink was dry and long form, I got everything got pulled because 9-11 happened and everything stopped. Um, I went back to being a hairdresser, running karaoke shows and waiting tables because I didn't want to leave Manhattan because I thought I had failed and everybody had figured it out. I wasn't talented. So um, I ended up just busting my ass so I could stay in New York. And um, until 2006, um, Long story short, because this could go on forever, I was doing hair again for some celebrities, and one in particular was Mary Louise Barker, and she took me to a party. I met everybody you could imagine, and at the end of the evening, she bummed me around and pointed me towards all these people and said, these are the people you want to be, so go be it already. And I hadn't written a song in a long time, because I was hustling, dude. Three jobs trying to make it happen in New York, and um, I uh, wrote a song the next day, and I sent it to Becca Calloway at the time, which is now Becca Tishker. And she was working for Bob Doyle at Major Bob and played him the song, played me, played him some, some older songs. And then I got a call um, to, he, he was going to fly me to Nashville and we sat down and uh, sitting in his office with all the Garth stuff everywhere, you know? And uh, he's just like, you have a unique perspective and I just want you to do what you do. And I was like, okay. And I was so like hesitant, you know, like, is this for real? Is this a man full of shit? Like, what is happening? So I went back to New York and I was on the Upper West Side having um, breakfast with my friend Tapitha and got a call from Mike Doyle. And he said, hey, this is Mike Doyle. We want to give you a publishing deal. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and that was the last time I did hair. We ran a karaoke show. And then we just kind of off to the races ever since. So that's how it all started. You know, something I was looking today at your Wikipedia page and, and all the different success you've had in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. And I think something that a lot of people be interested in is like, you know, when you're writing for Ariana Grande or Selena Gomez, how is mm-hmm. that different than when you're writing for Jesse James Decker, or Carrie Underwood, or, you know, any of the, the country artists that you've had cuts for? You know, it's shifted. Um, because I would say before I write differently. Now I write from a, I write from a different place. I go in with this expectation spiritually and God just gives it, it's like, and here it goes. I'm like, here we are, we're on and we're live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I'd say when I started doing that a few years ago, it was more about how did it feel? You know, the melody, you know, it wasn't so much storytelling because pop had shifted, you know, I grew up on Mariah Carey and Carol King and George Michael and Michael Jackson and, you know, Luther Vandross and Gladys Knight and beach music and all that. And I hated country music when I was a kid, by the way, because um, my parents loved it until my 
best friend that I grew up with showed me Reba McIntyre and why don't I judge and it all just changed. But then I was obsessed. But um, it the difference for that, you know, yeah, it was a feeling and it was very much about did it move you and did it, it and did it um, was it melodically something compelling. And I feel like people have gotten more hungry for, especially since Adele, you know, um, and the Michael Bublé's and people like that, they're craving that kind of hot AC storytelling um, thing. So now I'm getting to incorporate more of that from my years of being a country songwriter into pop, which has been pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, I answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, yeah. I think people are often asking like, well, what's the difference and how, you know, how can I take my elements from country and make that cool and pop or, you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing. Look, I don't know that it, I don't, I'm not one of those people that will lie and tell every writer that they can do all things. Cause I don't believe that, <laughs> you know, as far as genre, like Bob Doyle, my former publisher and now publisher again, which is hilarious. Cause I went, I had an eight year hiatus of cobalt and went back, but um, he gave me the best advice ever. And he said, just write what you know. Don't write. If you've never been on a surfboard, don't write about it. If you've never been on a tractor, don't write about it. Like I'm not Paula Overstreet writing. She thinks my tractor's sexy, which is his life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can hang in the room with him and do, you know, ride along with him lyrically and stuff like that. I learned a lot from that man. <laughs> um, the bar is set, <laughs> you know. He makes me want to go to the bar sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, I can't fall over the street. It's a state and look at me. Ugh. But um, <laughs> uh, I just, uh, you got to stay kind of true to yourself. Like if you've never been in a club, what are you doing writing about one? If you've never felt that experience, like I always tell young writers, look, if you've never been in love, then you can write about the hope of love. Or you can write about the love you saw between your friends or your family or your parents or whatever. But um, I just think, you know, yes, there are songs that are like the damn Macarena or Living La Vida Loca or there's pop that's Dangerous Woman or it's Adele and it's a piano ballad. Like things are starting to, the lines are being blurred a little bit more just the way it is in country again, you know. Um, but I just, that's the best advice. I think is just write what, you know, if you don't listen to Ariana Grande, you don't have any business trying to write a song for Ariana Grande. You know what I mean? Like if you're a 40 something year old man who's never listened to her, but you know, she's huge, then do your research. <laughs> like I live in it, you know, um, I lived in New York city for such a long time. I was there for 15 years and then, and I was in LA and like I said, I grew up on pop music and I had a huge appreciation for it. So it was like, you know, second nature to me, um, more so than even country music was in the beginning. What's this song called Fancy Life that you've had recently? <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about tell me about the day you wrote it, mm -hmm. and then just um, what, what it's done in your life. Oh my God, it's changed everything. The day we wrote it, I, I showed up at Smack to write with Kylie Morgan, and they had the date wrong. 
And so I just decided I was going to have a day off and I, they have lovely coffee choice choices over there at smack and snacks, <laughs> smack and snacks. Um, and Walker came out and I was making my coffee and he's like, what are you doing here? Like I was supposed to write with Kylie, but they got the date wrong. Oh dude, stay. I'm like, I, well, okay. I was going to go home, but he's like, no, stay. I'd love for you to come in. And I'm like, well, isn't there already a couple of people in there? He goes, no, 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 come on. Yeah. I need, I need you. Come on. And so we went in and um, we actually talked about God for about three hours, maybe a little bit more. And um, I'd never met Josh Jenkins. I'd met Cambo once on a Zoom with Walker. He'd never been in a country session ever in Nashville. So talk about a hell of a day to show up and be in a country session, your first one in country music. Yeah. Um, but we talked about what was going on in the world. We talked about how great it felt to be in the room and not on Zoom. We, I love me some Zoom because I've been able to write with people all around the world. And, and, yeah. and if I know you especially, and we already have a connection, I can, we can figure it out, you know? Yeah. But it just felt so amazing to be in that room. And Walker was just starting to really make his EP. And I had only met him. We wrote at the end of March and I met him in November of 2020. And uh, we had done this song with Nash called Make You Cry. And it got the label really excited. And it got his whole team excited because it was something different for him. And it was something different vocally for him. So we started writing more. And I just really started to get to know him. And I realized pretty quickly, God, we're like songwriting soulmate brothers. This is crazy. Um, and so we went from talking about you know, how people always think songwriters and artists are filthy rich. And they're all driving Teslas. and whatever and he's like dude i got a van i gotta roll my children around in and la 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 we can't tour we can't do this i'm really hoping something's gonna work and and um and josh said well i have this idea called fancy and i was like like reva or iggy azalea he's like no like that like walker's song country stuff walker had just played us country stuff and i was like oh things that things that country people think are fancy like I was like, do any of y'all dip your fries in a Frosty? And then it started. And um, they were like, Walker started with the whole, I mean, we're talking about up about upgrades. We're like, what, what's an upgrade to fancy people, to country people? And I was like, dude, you know, Chili's. And he's like, oh my God, I take my kids and my wife to Applebee's. Like, that's a date night. And you know, we love Wendy's, but God, if we get to go to a real restaurant with all these kids, oh it's a God. big deal, you know? And he's like, we're going to write songs for people who go to strip malls. I'm like, who the hell are you talking about people? That's us. <laughs> like, that's who we are, you know? Um, we, we might be all over the world from time to time, but we're still country, you know, and, and normal. And so it just started and it, Walker was like, my girl is banging. And I was like, she's so low maintenance. Don't need no champagne popping entertaining and and i will say that had i not written in pop as much as i had and with some of the people that i did and learning the language that i learned and submerging myself in that a lot of those words would, would have probably been really different um and we didn't even play an instrument it all i'm talking we talked for three hours and then it just dropped in in 30 minutes it just dropped in and when it happened it just felt so good it was it was it was otherworldly like you, it just you wrote it 
Acapella, no instruments? Acapella, no instrument. We sang the work tape down. We didn't even have, um, we didn't even, we had written a bridge that actually Walker and Josh rewrote in the car on the phone. And that, and that night, Walker went home and he made the demo. And it came in the middle of the night when I woke up in the morning. I listened to it and I was on my way. A friend of mine didn't want everybody, her husband to know her hair turns gray. And I used to be her hairdresser in the late 90s. And I remembered her color formula. And I was going to her house to put her root color on for her. <laughs> and um, and uh, I was pulling off in Brentwood to stop at the Publix to pick up a roast chicken. No joke. And Shane McAnally texts me. He's like, yo, my God, what did y'all do? This is amazing. And I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I just heard it. He's like, fancy like, this is going to be so huge. It's going to put Walker on the big stage, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, but hey, can you rewrite this pre-chorus melody? Like, I think it could be stronger. Um, or I can take a stab at it. I'll say, uh-uh, I, I can do it. Just give me a minute. I'm in the Publix. And I was standing in the Publix. And then the uh, just a different melody came. It was the, every now and then when I get paid, gotta spoil my baby with an upgrade. Hey, hey, hey. And I go, and I literally mean, go, hey, 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 three times. And uh, and you can hear the man in the checkout, like, bringing up my chicken in the magazine <laughs> and some gum. And I'm so happy that I did, it was a voice text, so I'll have it forever. Yeah. But um, it was a magical day. And it's changed our lives in the way that my mom especially the biggest thing that happens my mom was not well and she ended up coming to nashville and had to had to take over with her with her health care and all that and she was here for four months and when she got here it was real rough for like two weeks and trying to find the right doctors and all this stuff and weaning her off of a bunch of medications and then all of the sudden fancy like starts to blow up on tiktok and i don't have tiktok don't know what tiktok is i just i'm lucky if i post something on instagram and I hate doing that, started to get really exciting. It started climbing the iTunes chart. And my mom got so excited watching those videos. And it brought her so much joy to see it that it, it made her forget about her pain. Not completely, but when she was focused on that, she wasn't focused on her pain. And she started calling radio stations. She's replying to people on TikTok. She's, she's, she's sharing it. She's doing all the things. And, you know, it's been a huge financial blessing for all of us. It's been so amazing to watch people who did TikToks end up being in an Applebee's commercial. How cool is that? Um, changing their lives. Um, it brought back the Oreo shake. It brought back Applebee's. Like, now I see them painting all the Applebee's and stuff, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, we just, it's been one of the most positive experiences of my whole life. I mean, we've. We got Stapleton. We didn't win the Grammy, but <laughs> um, but we've had all these nominations. We're getting to go to award shows. We're getting to just have the most fun and um, continue to write and do what we love to do. You know, and when I go and and sing it, it's so much fun to watch people respond. And the way that it blew up, the way that it did, it's you know, when you're the songwriter, you're not the one on stage performing. You don't get that gratification of seeing a crowd singing something back to you or the joy on their faces or watching them dance. And in this way, we got to watch it all happen, like all of us, the whole world. And, um, you know, I got a, another prophetic word, which is interesting, a decade ago, and it literally was this, 
Shane, you're going to write a song that brings generations of people together and hope to the dance floor. And 10 years later, this song did exactly that. So it's, it's changed my life and a lot of other people's lives. Watching every race, every creed, every type of person all around the world doing this song, pop stars and country stars and movie stars and TV stars and, and grandmas and grandpas and babies and watching babies be dead asleep or babies who are having a full on fit. And the mom goes, Alexa, play fancy like, and it comes on and they just start dancing. It, that is the greatest thing in the world to me. Um, it has been the biggest blessing of my life thus far, as far as music's concerned. Um, so hopefully it allows me to keep keep on keeping on (laughs) well you know the thing just watching it as an observer the the coolest thing about it to me is that it it has brought millions and millions of people joy like your mom Mm -hmm. you know i mean i I think when i see those videos of, of it all over the place those people are forgetting the mess that's going on in the world they're forgetting whatever mess they're dealing with and they're just having fun yeah, and I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to share with the world. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. So. It's an escape, which is yeah. what music is supposed to do. You know, yeah. and I can legitimately say I have proof that it healed somebody. Like my yeah. mom never knew she could feel as good as she could, and it was all because she was focused on how bad she felt all the time, and we just had to, you know focus on her wellness and call forth her wellness. And that that's how I feel like when I'm, when I'm reading the Bible and when I, when I ask God, how he healed people, it's like, I paid no attention to their, their disease. I just called their wellness forth. And that is so remarkable to me and sounds so simple. You know, don't pay attention to that. Call their wellness forth, see them how I see them whole healed strong. And, um, that's what it does for me. And now it's so interesting because I knew that that song, I knew where that song came from. And when I, when we wrote it, this new thing started happening with me. I get chills up the back of my neck and then they go across my forehead and then I get them down my left arm in patches. And it's become the telltale sign of when I'm on to something. And that's how, that's what happens when, when there's this magical presence in the room and you're, tapped into something because I fully believe that, you know, God is looking for people to share a thought or create something. Cause I also fully believe that I'm co-creating with creator, the creator of the universe. I'm never not doing it. And how exciting it must be for God to watch us make music or make a painting or build a cabinet or paint a wall, whatever it is, everybody's a creator. And everything was imagination first. And I just get so excited that when we when we tap in, it's like we just kind of grab it and it comes down. And um, I don't force it anymore. And I don't get in my head about um, if it doesn't come, I can just call it. But sometimes like there was a period where I was writing so much. And then I had about a, I had a week of sessions and there were three different days where I didn't finish the song. And I thought it was all me. Because when you, you know, when you have a hit, everybody's just kind of looking at you in a room and that's a lot of pressure. And everybody's like, well, what are you going to do next? Or are you worried about the next one? I'm like, no, I'm just kind of showing up and do what I do. That's how that one happened. That's how American Honey happened. That's how all my songs 
kind of happened. I'm not trying to chase something. I'm just doing what I know I'm called to do. And um, I beat myself up pretty bad. And I realized I need to talk to my therapist about this. And I need to talk to Jesus about this. And I need to work through this. And then Mike Doyle said to me, hey, babe, that's how he talks to me. It's not your job to be the only person carrying the weight in the room. Like, it's okay if you didn't finish. Like, don't beat yourself up. Like, you're not always going to get done. And we didn't finish American Honey um, in one session. Well, first of all, we were eating chips and we were stoned and drinking American Honey whiskey mm-hmm. in Gatlinburg. Um, but we had this, we had the whole melody and the idea. Right. And then we got back together and we finished it. Because um, I'm rarely you know, take an edible or, 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 and never smoke weed, but something about me and Hillary and Carrie going to Key West or Gatlinburg, we're like, Ooh, let's take a little edible. <laughs> That's just the truth. Cause I just will like, Oh no, I think the work take is called eating chips. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause we had decided, Oh gosh, if we get the munchies, then we're just going to go get um, carrots and let's get carrots and celery and healthy things. And then Carrie Barlow picking up them tortillas oh, and it was man. over. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you didn't know you were getting all that info, did you? But it's I the truth. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's one thing to have a big hit song. Not all big hit songs make the world a better place and bring light into people's lives. And I, and I just applaud you guys for doing that. You know, I think Thank you. you. did that in a beautiful way. That's the goal. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Fane, thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. I'll do it anytime. There's anybody I can talk to in your world and give them some advice and love on them. I'm always down. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I'm sorry about the sound quality of my mic. There was something going on there that we've got it fixed now. And we appreciate your patience with that, but we didn't want to lose uh, the great things Shane had to share. Uh, We went a little long on this one, so we're not going to have a song. We hope you'll join us again next Tuesday for some more songwriting love. Check out the show notes. Uh, there's some uh, links to books that Clay and I have written about uh, lyric, melody, and co-writing. And you can also find out about Songtown there, which we'd love you to check out. And uh, just songtown.com. You can give us your email and get 10 free videos to kind of find out what we're all about. Be blessed.